Hello, friends. Welcome to CCF. Um, I am Natalie, and I'm on staff here as a women's minister. And last semester, I did not share pictures of my family. So we're going to do that and make that right. Um, oh, I'm doing Philippians 2, 12 through 30. We'll come back to that. So this is the picture of my immediate family. Um, I am one of three girls, the middle child. And my younger sister on this picture on the left, um, that's Adela, then myself, uh, my brother-in-law, Andrew, my older sister, Elise, my mom, Denise, and my dad, Dale. Um, and that makes up our family. We are all now in Missouri. Elise and Andrew live in Kansas City. Adela goes to Mizzou, so she is a sophomore and lives in Columbia. And my parents live in St. Louis. I am a firm believer that our family is not just made up of our blood, but also of our friends. And I have a really strong, wonderful group of friends that are family. And so behind is the, <laughs> they are my support system. They are my family. They are the ones that I tell everything first to, my celebrations. They mourn with me. It is great and beautiful. And this particular family um, originated here at CCF. We all met um, during Truman Week or Yah, with the exception of Sam. She is my childhood best friend. And um, we all met during Truman Week, our first week of freshman year. And we thankfully like all became great friends. And since college, we get together, just the girls, um, for a weekend once per year to like celebrate that friendship and our family. Anyways, all that to say, Jocelyn did not come this year. She had a child instead the month prior, so she did not make it. Um, there is Leah, who you all know, and then Allie, Sam, Lo or Lauren, Caitlin, and then Jordan. And so in addition to that, there's going to be, they are some of my family, and I have more family that are also friends. And so I have one more, landscape of pictures. These people are going to be part of the story that I share tonight. So I thought it fitting to include them. Um, on the left, that is Carl. And then most of you guys know Alan and Jordan Smith. Um, this is like my favorite picture of them with me because I'm like, Jordan and I are like screen laughing and you can tell in Alan's face that he's like kind of funny, like it's kind of laughing, but he's also like grimacing, like guys, stop, you're embarrassing me. Um, and that is like the epitome of the trio. And then um, my good friend, Benjamin, Ben. Um, yes. Uh, so they are my family, or many people who make up my family. So this semester, we have been going through the book of Philippians for our Wednesday series. And last week, we heard Leanne walk us through the first part of Philippians 2. And we... She explained that we are thinking about our limitations in the same way that Jesus, who fully God, made himself human. And Paul encourages the Philippians to be encouraged by Christ's humility and his limitations. So we're going to pick up where she left off and finish Philippians 2. So we're going to just go ahead and read it. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation 
among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will also come, or will come also. I thought it necessary to send you, Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him and the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So the more that I read over this passage, I found it interesting that Paul kind of sandwiches this section about our individual faith um, between these ideas about being mindful about community, um, the part that Leanne talked about last week, and then the part where he talks about Timothy and Epaphroditus. Um, so within that section where Paul is confronting our individual working of faith, particular phrases began to stand out, reminding me of other parts of scripture and of my own experience with faith. And so these key phrases came from verses 12 to 18 that were reminding me of the Israelites, particularly as they are wandering in the wilderness after they leave Egypt. And so there are these phrases that are sparking this connection, are Paul, as Paul writes, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Do all things without grumbling and disputing, holding fast to the word of life, poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. And I wondered, what is going on? Why is Paul using this language that is reminding me of the Israelites in Exodus? And so the further I began to investigate, things kind of began to unravel and maybe became a little bit more clear. So that first phrase that I mentioned in verse 12, where he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling reminds me of the part of the Israelite story when they have just been read the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai and the people are camped below the mountain and so it says in Exodus now when all the people saw the thunder and flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses you speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. And the people stood far off, while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. 
the story came to mind, just like Paul writes to encourage the Philippians to engage with their own faith, with fear and trembling, we have this example of seeing the Israelites as they are about to confront God, and they are afraid and terrified. They don't want to engage. They'd rather send Moses to be their mediator. They'd rather draw away than draw near to God that they cannot quite see or fully imagine. And so this reminds me of my own story of trying to work out my own faith. So in the fall of 2014, it's my junior year, and I've decided to take this class called Bible's Literature with my friend Carl and Ben. And it just so happens that a bunch of people in CCF make up the class predominantly, and Derek also is in the class with us. Um, so I'm super excited to take this class with my friend, and I'm very, like, this is going to be awesome. Like, I get to look at the Bible through this, like, academic lens. Like, this is going to be so good, having, like, no perception that, oh, that could be hard or challenging. So um, within the first couple of classes, I am beginning to realize that this class is revealing these assumptions that I had made about my faith. And there are assumptions that maybe people told me directly or just my interpretation of how people are interpreting the Bible. And this part of the Israelite story really resonates with me because as the Israelites, they stare into this thick cloud of darkness <laughs> where God supposedly is, and they are scared and terrified because it is terrifying to face that maybe the God that I had created was not actually the God that he really is, but rather the God of my imagination and who I wanted him to be. And so would I be willing to really face him, to actually wrestle with these things and assumptions and to figure out who he was? And that was terrifying because my faith was built upon the foundation of these things that may or may not be true. What is going to happen when it all comes down? And so, just like the Israelites feared death, engaging with this class in my questions, um, it felt like death to me. <laughs> and perhaps it was, in a way. And so, as I continued to mirror the Israelites, I turned to Derek, who, in this example, is Moses. So, I began to demand that Derek should answer my questions, that he could be my mediator in the same way that the Israelites are asking Moses to be their mediator, um, you should, I wanted Derek to answer my questions for him to wrestle them out and then come back to me and tell me what God said. Um, that seemed a lot better than the alternative, which would be for me to actually wrestle through the questions and meet God in the thick darkness. And so Derek responded, as Moses similarly did, and he wouldn't answer my questions. <laughs> and instead, he kept creating this space for me to wrestle and kept giving me encouragement and things to think about. And unlike the Israelites who decided to stand far off with the gentle encouragement of Derek and Carl and Ben and Alan and the people that I shared earlier, I began to draw near to this thick darkness where God is. And even though I'm terrified because I don't know what I'm encountering. So going back to Philippians, I wonder if Paul reminds the Philippians of this time of the Israelites at Mount Sinai because he wants them to lean in to do the hard uncomfortable and scary and humbling work of figuring out what faith is what walking with God in their current season may look like and so Paul continues to encourage them by reminding them of who God is 
to encourage them to continue on in working out their faith because they know that their God is near them, actually, in fact, inside of them, doing the work. And he's doing it because it pleases him, because us being in relationship with God pleases him, even when that engagement is not obvious to us. So Paul continues on with saying, do all things without grumbling or disputing. So here we go again. Grumbling and disputing, for me, is like the quintessential phrase of the Israelites, um, especially the wandering in the wilderness. So looking at the part of the story where they're doing just that in Numbers, it says, And all of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or would that we have died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? We see the Israelites here in the wilderness where they have begun to encounter God, and they are weary and tired. And I wonder if Paul encourages the Philippians by recalling the Israelites to when we get to this place of being stagnant, either with the situation that we're in because we're tired and exhausted, we've come up with no answers, or maybe perhaps we're getting comfortable, we're getting complacent with a God that we're discovering and to be. We have this tendency when things start to go hard to wish that things were easier, to turn from this place of fear to this place of grumbling. So at the end of the semester, um, Carl and Ben and everyone else seemed to come unscathed. Um, they had answers to their questions and where I had none. I think I actually came out with more questions and more confusion by the semester's end. And so time continues to pass on, and by time, I mean years. And I'm in the thick of wrestling, and I honestly just want to give up. I've had chosen to enter this thick cloud of darkness where God is, and I cannot find my way, and I cannot find him. And I feel confused and lost and frustrated and angry. Why was I brought into this wilderness? And why can't my answers be, why can my questions not be answered? And so I begin to enter this phase like the Israelites, where instead of saying, would it be better for us to go back into Egypt, I say, I wish I had my old, naive, and innocent faith. It was so much better, and it was so much easier. I would rather have that than this. And so I began to develop this bitterness that I took this class because of the things, of the turmoil that it was causing within me. And so as we are working out things of our faith, we are often tempted in the wilderness to resort to the grumbling and complaining, and I see Paul encouraging the Philippians to hold tightly to the word of life. And when I think of word of life, I think, yes, the scriptures, but I also more so think of Jesus and how in the Gospel of John, he refers to Jesus as the word, and the word is what brings us life. That we maybe remember that and be encouraged, and that these wrestlings are not in vain. Rather, they're bringing us toward the glimmer of light in the darkness. They're bringing us closer to who Jesus might really be. That these wrestlings are not in vain and we will have time where we can rejoice and be glad for the wrestlings and particularly in the way that in which we see Jesus. So 
here Paul has this section talking about this process of us working out our faith, alluding to the story of the Israelites and their faith, and perhaps to help us recall these stories as they might be relevant and encouraging to us. Yet even though we need to individually do the work, I think Paul's next part of this letter, as he writes about the people he wants to send, reminds me that it is not a call of isolation, rather solitude. Yes, we need to work these things out in solitude, yet we see Paul, who knows the needs of the community so intimately that he knows the people that can tend to those needs as he cannot. And I see a similar call to us to be both the person that sees the needs within a community and can send the right person to meet that need or to be the person to meet that need. So I think the best example that I can portray of this is through a portion of an email that I wrote almost four years ago to the day, February 26, 2018, sent at 6.06 p.m. to Derek. And part of that, um, I've part of this that I'm about to read is part of the story that is going to be repeated and maybe will be a little bit more illuminated. But for reference, I have just moved to Tennessee and I've been living there for about a month. And this is about three and a half years since I finished this, finished this Bible as Lit class. So I, I say, if you don't remember, that class just brought a lot of things to light that I was forced to wrestle and think about that I didn't really ever want to consider. And I finally realized how that wrestling was so bittersweet because it has allowed me to understand and experience a faith so different than what it was when I stepped on campus in 2012. This class just cracked me, truly. And until very recently, I've still always been kind of bummed that I took this class, like it was a waste of time because I came out with no conclusions to my questions. I just had to be comfortable that there was no black and white answer to the things that I was demanding one to be. And that made it not seem worth all the struggle and conflict and wrestling that it cost me. And I have just over and over wished that I could return to the naivety of what I didn't know because this new way of thought to me felt too burdensome and difficult and not worth the wait. And so I've been trying to come up to response for this question, a time that Jesus became real for you. I began to realize that these moments of understanding Jesus, where I was truly understanding something about the character of God and not just manufacturing a response that felt rich and tangible, occurred my last few years at Truman after this class. I began to see that there was this slow shift in my faith. The Lord was evidently and still is working on my heart and allowing me to understand the basics of what faith is in an incredibly tangible and humbling way. And I know that this will continue to evolve and shift and change, that this work is far from done. And even though it's taken me years to see the small budding fruit of that season and class, I needed those lessons. And the Lord is using that to draw me in communion with him. I don't know quite how to verbalize it, but I see that there is this turning point, that there is this pivotal point that has caused me to not try to compartmentalize and only see things black and white. And that has led me to a place of peaceful freedom that is willing to let the Lord alone change and direct me. I just want to again say thank you. Thank you for being the hands and feet of Jesus to me, for being a friend, and for honestly just being fun and letting me get to participate in that fun.
I can see even in how I desire to learn from the Bible comes from your influence and how sometimes I might enjoy listening to and reading poetry. I know for a fact that I would have been too uncomfortable to stick with this church that doesn't hold certain traditions or a type of service that I grew up with if it had not been for being immersed in CCF or even that Bible class. Thank you for gently shepherding and guiding creating a space for me to wrestle and seek to know the Lord, not being quick to supply an answer, but just creating the space and time to allow the Lord to answer it. I feel so fortunate to be hearing how this church is striving to create a community that ultimately has Jesus at the center and just over and over say, yes, I've experienced that. I know what that looks like and that I do want to be part of a community with people who are striving towards this type of life, even though it is not necessarily traditional or typical or clean cut. Rather, it's incredibly messy, at times hard, and filled with such diversity of thought and ways of life and outreach, but full of joy and love that comes from Christ. And that desire was something that was built from being challenged to look at things differently from you and this class in CCF. And maybe, maybe most importantly, thank you for being patient enough to listen and to stick with me. So I wrote that halfway through the eight years since I've taken that class. And I still wrestle with some of those questions that have evolved or continue to evolve from that class. And I think that some of my experience of wrestling in my faith is a sense of what Paul is encouraging these people to do. It's encouraging them to work out their faith but to do it amongst their community, to do the individual work that is necessary, and it is okay for it to be terrifying as you encounter God and his mysterious dark cloud. And it is okay to notice the person trembling next to you and to sit with them and to be there with them. And it is okay to be the one trembling or to be the one who is now wandering in the wilderness after trembling and trying to resist the urge to grumble and to go back to the way that things were. There's a space for each place. And like Paul writes, there is encouragement from the stories that we have, like the Israelites and the people that we're surrounded by, like Timothy and Epaphroditus. We are about to move into a time of worship, so if you all will bow your heads, I'm just going to pray for us real quickly. Lord, we... Just thank you for the way that you move um, in your dark and mysterious ways. And even when you are terrifying to us, Lord, that you still choose to re reveal yourself and to beckon us closer to you. Um, we thank you for these times and the things that you have taught and shown us um, that we get maybe a glimpse closer to who you really are than the person we want you to be. Um, I just pray for each person here, Lord, as you are guiding them um, and as they are trying to work out their faith, Lord, would you um, be near to them and would they sense that? In your name we pray. Amen.